Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. It's our hope that the next few moments lead you closer to Jesus, encourage you to grow, and equip you to exist for those not yet here. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that we can bring you fresh content every week as you continue in your walk with Christ. Happy Father's Day, man. To all the Father's Day out there. Or, yeah, to all the Father's Day. To all the fathers out there. Yeah. To all the stepdads, foster dads, moms who have to play the role of a dad, uh, and anybody else who, who has to do that. Father's Day is good, man. It's good, it's good to be here. My wife, Heidi, and I, I'm a father myself. We have three kids. Um, I have a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a one-year-old. And we just recently found out uh, that we're going to be having another kid. Um, thank you. Yeah. Which, it was a, a surprise. It was definitely a surprise. <laughs> um, but, it, you know, it's awesome. It's awesome. It's a, uh, it is awesome. My wife, actually, uh, like seven or eight years ago, the doctors told her that she would never have kids uh, or might not ever have kids. And now we'll have four all the ages of five and under within uh, five years. So it's awesome. Seriously, though, no, being a dad is awesome, right? Dad, is there dads in here? Can I get a yee-yee from dads? Woo-hoo. There you go, right? Yeah, being a dad's awesome. Being a father's awesome, right? Uh, I mean, if there are any single guys out there or young married couples, uh, if I could just encourage you, you are going to love having kids. I mean, especially in your young age, if you love staying up really late and partying, you'll love it, man. It's going to be good for you. If you love to crank your music up really loud, especially if you enjoy screamo music or hip-hop, that everything is repetitive over and over and over and over again, kids will be good for you, man. I mean, if you like puzzles and stuff or, or uh, problem solving and multitasking, especially under extreme stressful situations, which I don't know if you would, but some people do. What? Some people do, right? I'm, you're going to love having kids. And especially uh, if you're like the thrill-seeking kind of person, you know what I'm talking about? Any skydivers, bungee jumpers, wheelies down Route 100 on a crotch rocket like 100 miles per hour, thrill-seekers, anybody who loves to get their blood really pumping, Right? You're going to love having kids, man. It's going to be good. But being a father, being a father is no joke, though. No. Uh, seriously, a father is actually one of the most important roles that this world needs. Check this out. Do you know that in America, according to the U.S. Census Bureau, that 19.5 million children in this country, that's one in every four, live in a home without a father? And then children that are living in fatherless homes are 47% more likely to end up living in poverty. And poverty. They're also two times more likely to become obese. There are 2 million single dad households in America versus 10 million single mom households. Do you know that 63% of youth suicides are kids from a fatherless home? 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from a fatherless home. 85% of all children who show behavior disorders, they come from a fatherless home. 80% of rapists with anger problems come from a fatherless home. 71% of all high school dropouts, they come from a fatherless home. 75% of all adolescent patients that are in a chemical abuse center are all from fatherless homes. 70% of youths that are in state-operated institutions, they come from fatherless homes. 85% of all youths that are in prison, they came from, you guessed it, fatherless home. Many statistics are disturbing to me, and they lead me to ask the question, why? 
Why? Why is this such an issue in our culture right now, in our country, in our world? Why? So being the pastor that I am, I had to do some research to figure this out. The first thing that I seen was an article written by a famous philosopher from the 1900s. His name is G.K. Chesterton. And he said that every high civilization decays by forgetting obvious things. There's another really smart man named Carl Zimmerman. He was an eminent Harvard sociologist, if I'm even saying that right. He backs up what he's saying in a book that he wrote called Family and Civilization, where he just simply uh, traced what family looks like through all of the great civilizations, like the Greeks and the Romans and uh, medieval times and all of that. And what he found was that every single civilization at its peak of creativity and power and growth they all have the same thing in common, that they had domestic family models. What's really interesting is in this book, he goes on to give a list of warning signs. Like, this is what you'll be able to see when all of these societies were on their last leg. The first thing, the first thing that he's seen within a culture's final stages, let me tell you too, this was written in 1947, 1947, okay? The first thing that you see is a marriage the marriage loses its sacredness and is frequently broken by divorce. Traditional meaning of marriage is lost and alternate forms of marriage abound. There is a breaking down of most inhibitions against adultery. There is a decreased number of children and an increased number of public disrespect for parent or parenthood. And this uh, anti-familism attitude of the pseudo-intellectuals then spreads throughout the entire culture. There's a, a refusal of people then uh, with traditional marriages to accept family responsibilities and to maintain their traditions. There are revolts of youth against their parents and parenthood, which ends up becoming making parenting uh, more difficult for people who actually want to have children. There's a, this is a good one, there's a popularity of pessimistic attitudes about the nation's early heroes. Last, he said, there's an increasing interest in spread of sexual perversions of all forms. This wasn't written in 2000. It wasn't written in 2010. It wasn't written in 2020. It was in 1947 of what it looks like at a society's beginning of decay. You see, I've gathered from all of the knowledge of uh, me since I was born until now, and I think that this is a tactic and an attack from Satan. Because Satan knows that strong godly men that marry strong godly women create healthy children that end up building a godly household who together can go out and make a better community because it knows Christ through them. And I think that Satan also knows that a strong faith in the Lord is passed down from generation to generation, like most things. I mean, if you read in the Bible, uh, when, when the Lord comes to Moses as the burning bush, he says, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When he went to Jacob, he said, I'm the God of your father, Abraham and Isaac, who directly Isaac was his dad and Abraham was his grandfather. It's clearly defined 
here in the book of Psalms. It says, my people, hear my teaching, listen to my words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from of old, things that we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their descendants, and we will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wisdom and the wonders that he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children. So the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. They then would put their trust in God, would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. They would not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to him. And if we go to the beginning of time, we know God created man, and from man he created woman, and he said to them, be fruitful, increase in number, and fill the earth. hey right? Like, all, everybody can get excited about that in here. He goes on to say, in, in, in Deuteronomy, it says, love, this is a commandment that God gave to Moses after giving him the Ten Commandments, which we're to live by, the law. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Everyone knows that. These commandments that I give you today will be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. So it's completely clear at this point that it has always been since the beginning of time God's plan for us to reproduce, right? And then his command is for us to love him and to pass that love on to future generations to come. So of course from the beginning of time we can see it's been Satan's plan to destroy what God creates because he desires to be prideful and jealous and to, to destroy what God creates. And if you remember Satan was there. He was there in the garden. He was there in the beginning of time. And what did he do? What did he do? He went after the unity between Adam and Eve and God. See, Satan's tactic has been the same one that my father has taught me from a very young age when having to go up against somebody that's larger than you. He said, son, which is most people in my case, he said, son, uh, you are probably not going to end up being very tall and you may end up having to defend yourself from a a very large man or person, uh, which is most people in my case. He said that if you have to defend yourself, you should kick their knees out first and bring them down to your level and then fight from there. So, of course, it has been Satan's plan to attack the very foundation uh, of the basis for what God's plan was for this earth, which was the family. Now, I am not a fear monger or a conspiracy theorist, But based off of the statistics that we had read and everything that we see in society right now, it's clear that we do have a lack of men stepping up to be fathers, whether by blood uh, or by choice, which breaks the biblical view of what life should be like the way that God intended it. And it does not look like our civilization and our generation and culture is headed into a good direction. It doesn't look like we're in very good shape to continue to pass this on. So what do we do? How can we fix this? Like, is this even, is this even fixable? How can, we, how can we change and shift things? The good, I mean, Jesus hasn't come back yet, so there's still time. And I think that if there is time, I mean, why not try and, at least for the kids under our kids, under our kids, can we change the culture and generation and not allow the civilization to become destroyed after us? I think we can. We can. 
And the good news is, is I believe that this is actually a very simple solution. You ready for this? All you have to do is something that I like to call live the dream. What? Live the dream? What does that even mean? Who is this guy up here? Bring Pastor Steve back. <laughs> Why are you laughing at that? <laughs> you got to live through. Okay, well, check this out, right? You're going you're gonna to get it. Check out what the Bible says in Psalms 128. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Yes, this will be the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem in all the days of your life. May you live to see your children's children. Sounds a lot like the American dream to me, right? I mean, or at least what the American dream used to be. I'm pretty sure now the American dream is to get your money for nothing and your chicks for free, but <laughs> at least what the American dream used to be was the belief that anyone, regardless of, of where they were born or what class they were born into, can attain their own version of success in a society in which upward mobility is possible. And then to be able to pass that success on to your kids, to not only have that, but to, uh, to uh, go farther and take that success farther than what you had even imagined or thought of. It's the American dream. Have a job, a spouse, some kids, and some grandkids. The dream, man. The dream is simply to live a life that leaves a legacy that's going to impact generations for the Lord. Well, how do you do that? How do you live the dream? How? It's easy. You choose it. You choose it. It's simple. We live in America. We can choose to do whatever we want to do, whenever we want to do. I legitimately hate it when people tell me, I can't do this. I'll never attain to this. I'll never get that. I want to do this. And it gets on my nerves because if you truly desire something, you figure out a way to choose how to do it. We, do, we figure this out from a very young age. I see with my kids, when I tell them to do something, they do whatever they want to do whenever they want to do it, right? We can choose to do whatever we want to do. We can. I mean, there could be consequences. There could not be, but we have the opportunity to choose. So if it is your desire to choose to live the dream, which I'm pretty sure that it is everyone's desire because it's the same desire that God has placed innately in us since the beginning of time. If it is your desire, you're going to have to make some choices. What's cool is these choices are easily defined throughout the Psalms that I just recently read. The first thing that you're going to have to choose if you want to live the dream is you're going to have to choose to follow the Lord wholeheartedly and be obedient to him and his word. You have to seek a relationship with him constantly so you can learn and be guided by his truth. You're going to have to read his word to know and understand clearly what his plan is for you and for your family and your future family to come. You're going to have to pray to him constantly to create that bond between you and him. And it's only him and in and through him that this dream can even be attained. If the good life consists of us passing the Lord on from generation to generation, then you're undoubtedly going to have to know the Lord. And if you don't have this part down, then you might not be ready for the rest. But I want to be clear that, that I, I am not talking about a hyper-spiritual Henry, Okay. I don't know if you know who hyper-spiritual Henry is. You might know him, but he's the guy that hides behind religious behavior and God talks. You know, he talks at you, but not to you. You know what I'm saying? 
The kind of guy that will quote, quote scripture at a girl in a home group to impress her, but then goes home and watches porn. Comes to church. Mm-hmm, comes to church. <laughs> says every single right thing, but he don't spend a minute serving. He don't spend a dime giving back to the Lord. A hyper-spiritual Henry. I'm talking about a real deep-seated relationship with the Lord. Someone close to him, has his convictions, loves God, knows him and his plan. And if you get that down, you're going to have to do the next thing, which is to choose to be responsible for yourself. Genesis 2.24 says that a young man must leave his father and mother and grow up to become a man. This means that you can't be a little boy Larry. You know, little boy Larry never grew up, disorganized, a man-child that still lives at home with his parents. Man home that still lives at home with his parents. Slaying 12-year-olds in Fortnite from his $10,000 gamer chair while his mom's in the kitchen cooking him up some Hot Pockets, praying to God that one day she is going to have some grandkids. 1 Corinthians 13, 11 says, When I was a child, I talked like a child. I fought like a child. I responded and reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put the childish ways behind me. You got to be a man. Which means you're also going to have to go out and get a career. Because let's face it, if you want to be able to afford the dream, you're going to need to have an income. But more importantly than that, you're going to need a career, not a job, right? I'm just talking about real career. Pick a career, go out, and after you have to work hard. And you got to focus. Focus on being a great employee or a great boss or a great leader. This means that you can't be a lazy Larry. You know, lazy Larry, he might have a job, he might not. When he does have a job, it could be 7-Eleven, part-time. He finds ways to get out of work, complains when he is at work, looks for ways to get hurt on the job so he can collect unemployment. You'll never see lazy Larry working one second of overtime. He's too busy moving slowly and moping around and complaining all day. Some of you are like, I know that guy. Maybe you are that guy, I don't know. You got to be a man. You got to do what the Bible says, which is do everything that you do as doing it for the Lord. You have to work hard. And check this verse out, right? I found this. This is one that you see every day when you open up your Bible app on the Bible verse image. This is not one of those. Check this out. This is word for word from the Bible. It says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anyone. And once you get to that point, after that, when you are ready, then you're going to need to choose a wife. And if you want to live the dream, you're going to want to choose a godly woman. This means, guys, that you can't go looking for a good time with good time Gabby. You know what I'm talking about? Good time Gabby is the girl that's loud, obnoxious, disrespectful. You definitely don't want to bring her home to your parents, but she is so hot and so much fun to be around when no one else is around, if you know what I mean. You'll be able to find good time Gabby looking for a good time with anybody on Tinder, Bumble, OkCupid, Facebook dating, and even to cover all of her bases because she's a good Catholic girl that her parents raised her to get confirmed and maybe go to church on Christmas or Easter, Christian Mingle. But hey, 
Some guys like their women a little bit on the trashy side, where they wear their clothes too tight and their hair's dyed. Too much lipstick and too much rouge may leave you excited and feeling confused, but it's also probably going to leave you broken, divorced. Let's just be honest. Proverbs 12.4 says that a wife of noble character is her husband's crown, but a disgraceful wife is like decay in his bones. But if you're at this point and you're looking for a wife, that means that you have a strong relationship with the Lord and you've already been reading in the Bible what it looks like to have a wife. So you know what it says in Proverbs 31, 10 through 30, all of the attributes to ask questions for yourself to look for a wife. Like, is she God-fearing? First and foremost, Proverbs says, a charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Is she God-fearing? Is she smoking hot? Let's be honest. I mean, that's not in Proverbs, but that's the second thing that, I mean, the first thing that you notice, right? I mean, the first thing you don't, you don't notice someone's relationship with the Lord. You just see them, you're like, dang, they are smoking hot, which is going to come in handy because if you do marry that person, there's going to be a day where you are so mad and frustrated, you're just going to be like, it is a good thing that you are so hot right now. I am mad. Is she extraordinary? Is she the most amazing one? The, the Bible says that a wife of noble character, who can find? She's worth more than rubies. Is she extraordinary? Is she trustworthy? Is she kind and generous? Is she a hard worker? Is she loyal? You can find these questions and about 20 more if you read through Proverbs 31, 10 through 31. And if you're a woman that is seeking a godly man, I would run yourself through these filters and ask these own questions of yourself. And if you guys are, these two people are in this room right now listening or at Montgomery Villa and these two types of people are in these rooms listening, run these questions, every person that you meet through this filter and do not settle. Don't settle. Not on one of them. Not on anything. If you want to live the dream, do not settle on that. Woo! Now, I can promise you that you will never find these attributes out about a person on their OnlyFans. Why are you laughing? You shouldn't even know what that is. I found out this week because someone in her office said that someone else, they have a friend of a friend who quit their job to send pictures of their feet for perverts on OnlyFans. I'm like, this legitimately proves the point that I said about decaying civilizations. This is pervert. Who does that? But you're not, you're not going to find that on OnlyFans, so you probably should be off of there. And to be quite honest, it's going to be very difficult to find out these attributes in somebody on social media or a dating website. Now, everyone's going to, every single person can be like, dating websites can work. Yeah, I, I, I get it. I know that they can, right? But here's the truth and the honest part about that. Everything that's put on social media is everyone's what? It's their highlight reel, Right? No one ever posts their fails or their faults or their crappy pictures of themselves, especially if they're single and looking for a spouse, right? All you get is their highlights. So you're never going to get to know them. It's like my, I had friends in high school, they used to send their highlight reels in football uh, to coaches. And I'll be like, dude, you stink. You're not even getting picked up by your sinus college, all right? You're a terrible leader. You got an awful attitude, but you don't see that because all you see is the highlight reel. Where are you going to get to know somebody like that? Right here. Right in Montgomeryville. While you're at church, learning about God. I mean, if they're there, they probably have some form of relationship with the Lord. Right? How are we going to find out their heart? Are they generous? Do they love people? Do they pull out their phone when it talks about tithing? Are they serving other people? Are they kind when they are serving other people? Are they nice? 
So you're going to find out these things. You're going to know their heart for the Lord when you sit with them in a home group. And you hear about how they struggled through certain times in, in their life. But how they went to the Lord and they trusted the Lord. That's where you'll find that person. But if you have prepared yourself and you have met that person and you have done all the things that you need to do, the next thing that you got to do is live it, man. Live the dream. The dream is a testament to what the Lord can do. Enjoy the life that God had blessed you with through your obedience. If you tithe and you give a lot on top of tithing, and God has blessed you financially, don't be ashamed of it. Rejoice and be glad in it. You're blessed. If you have a blessed marriage because you put all the work in for the front of that, right, to, to make sure that it was good. You love your wife. You think she's attractive. Your spouse, you appreciate them. Enjoy it. Have fun. Talk all the time. Tell jokes. Make fun of your kids together. Enjoy it. Enjoy your spouse. I mean, enjoy your spouse. Within the confines of marriage, there's a safety and a security that acts as a barrier to allow the freedom and the exploration which can ignite such passion and desires on a more frequent basis than a life that is lived outside of the walls of that safety and protection. Enjoy it. It's good. If you have a great position at your job, don't be ashamed of it. Live it up and enjoy it. Now, what I'm not saying is, is don't boast and brag about all these great things that you have and this incredible life that you lived. You don't got to boast and brag about it. But what I am saying is that people will notice the blessing and the life that you live just from you living it. And then when the time comes for them to ask you, what is the key to your success? How do you live life like this? You can simply say, the Lord I follow the Lord, man. I live the dream. But the dream is not, and I'll say this again, the dream is not all the things that you want. The dream is all the blessings that you have from the Lord. The house that you have, that's your house. The car that you have, that's, that's a blessing. Your kids, your kids that you have, the Bible says they're a blessing, they're a blessing. Kids are a heritage of the Lord. I just got to trust it. <laughs> How about this? Because sometimes th this, this could trigger. Sometimes, sometimes your dream might have been to have kids. That's your dream, right? And that is, that is the dream, right? It's been placed on us. But you've tried for so long, and you just cannot conceive. And you question God. Why? 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 You birthed this desire in me to have children, but you won't bless me with children. What's wrong? What's going on? Am I not prepared? Am I not ready? And I would say maybe that's not your dream. Maybe there's a child somewhere in this country right now that their dream is to be loved by a loving parent and to know and understand the love that Lord has for them. And your dream that you don't know about, that God has set forth and planned for you, is this amazing life with this child that you have never met. And all you got to do is be obedient. The life that you live now that's in and through the Lord is a blessed one. Live it and enjoy it while you can. 
because one day it's going to be over. The last part of the dream and the most important one is, is that you're going to need to pass it. And if you're going to pass it, you're going to need to be present. Obviously, right? You picture playing catch by yourself. It sucks. It even makes me think about being a kid. You know, wait for my dad to come home. Ball goes, oh, come down. Pass it to myself. It's stupid. I'm waiting forever. Come home, dad, and play with me. This year, uh, just a few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to go on vacation with my family uh, for two weeks. It was awesome. The time that we got to spend together was amazing. The focus that we got to have on them and the presence that we had in their life made memories that will last forever. Now, I'm not telling you that you, know, you should take two weeks of vacation with your kids, but what I am saying is that the office can wait. The overtime can wait. I mean, if you need to have overtime to survive, that's one thing. But if you're working extra hours just so that you can afford a new toy, a four-wheeler or a boat, if you're working extra hours just maybe just to give your kids things that you never had growing up, to give them that life, I'm telling you that more, more than that, your kids just want to be with you. Just yesterday, I was in a, in a bike shop. I had to take my two boys. Uh, I didn't have all three of my kids because I don't know if I could do that. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, but while we were camping, my son's tire uh, went flat, so I tried to fix it. Uh, and then it was still broke, so I had to go to the professionals yesterday. And as we're waiting in line, uh, there's this couple that's ahead of us. And they're like, your kids are so well behaved. And I was like, now, maybe. <laughs> and they're like, they're like, no. They're like, enjoy it. Enjoy it, because it goes quick. And you're going to wish that you had more time with them. Their oldest son moved out to California. They have some like super important job. They're smart. And then their other son just graduated college. He's about to work for uh, John Hopkins, I think. And they said that, that it goes quick and you'll miss it. They said, you're going to want to be there. I agree. I, I, time goes quick. And I'd rather look back and have more memories with my kids than anything else. But when you are present, you're going to have to actually be present. You know what I'm talking about? Like, we could be there but not really be there. We, we take our work with us home all the time. We take our stress. We have it on us all the time. We take these. We have these on us all the time. Right? And all this time, our kids are like, hey, watch this, Dad. Watch, check this out, Mom. Look what I can do. <laughs> You're like, that's awesome. Good job. I'm so proud of you. Oh, you're so pretty, girl. Good job. Yeah. You got to be present with them. Not only do you got to be present with them, here's a typical one for me in my life. You just got to stop and you got to give them the time when you're doing stuff. One of the most difficult decisions that I am faced with in my home when I'm in the middle of a project that desperately needs to get done or I'm cleaning or, I mean, any project for that matter, and my kids will utter what seems to be the dreadful words, can I help? <laughs> to, to which my answer is, Absolutely, I would love that. Please take your phone and tablet, get out of the way, and go sit in the chair over there because I'll be able to get this done a lot faster, and that would be very helpful if you just get out of the way. But your kids, they don't really want to help. They, let's be honest, because that is what's helpful. They don't. They want to be with you. They want to be learning from you. They want to be taught by you. They want to be nurtured by you. And I constantly have to, to remind myself in these times that, that this is not just a time for a job to get done. 
But this is an opportunity for teaching and training and rebuking. The Bible says to train up a child in the way that he should go, and he will not depart from it. You got to be present. And then you got to pass on your provision. 1 Timothy 5.8 says, Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. A lot of times we think that this just means providing money and, and food and clothes. And these things are important to survive. But what I'm talking about, if you really want to pass the dream life on to the next generation, you're going to have to pass down to them the Lord. Not just Bible stories either. Obviously, we know when they go through a difficult time, we're going to say, you know, let's talk about David and Goliath. They're going to hear about, the, if you're living the dream, they're going to hear the Bible stories here in church. They're going to hear them from you at home. What I'm saying is share the stories of what the Lord has done about you, with you, and your life. The miracles that he has performed. All the time, my kids are always asking me uh, now, recently, within the past four months, to hear stories from when me and my wife were younger. Primarily, they want to hear about how bad their Uncle Zach was or me and my brother. But they're asking stories. They want to know. So pass down the miracles that God has done in your life. Because when the time comes that they're going to need to rely on the Lord, they're going to remember the stories that you told them and how you persevered through Christ and how he had got you from one side to the other side. So when they do face difficult times, they will know to put their trust and faith in the Lord because they had seen what he had done in and through your life. If you don't pass it on, how will they know? How will they know? They'll never know. Lastly, you got to pass on your protection. And obviously, you know, the thing would, you're going to expect me to say is this world is crazy. There's evil in it. We need to protect our kids from the evil world. And it's true. The world's been evil forever since Satan entered it in the beginning. And I believe that. I believe that there are things that we should protect our, our children's minds from, especially when they have immature minds and they can't comprehend things of, of adult nature. And we do need to protect them from that. But I think that if we want to pass the dream on to the next generation, we need to protect them from our own protection. We need to allow them to experience the hardships of life we can end up becoming helicopter parents that hover over them all the time or lawnmower parents that mow over any difficult situation in their lives because we hate to see them experience pain. Trust me, I am there with you. I hate watching my kids experience pain, but I can tell you that I look like a bad parent most times in public when my children fall down and get hurt and cry because my response is to get up and shake it off. That's not because I'm embarrassed about what just happened. That's because I know that in life, when they fall down and get hurt, some, most times people are not going to run and give them a hug and make sure that they're okay. In fact, almost as an adult, you realize that that is the complete opposite because the world will tear you apart. And I know that from a young age that my kids are going to have to be tough. I know that hard times and difficult circumstances, they force us to go to the Lord. They're going to have to go through difficult things and struggles so that they can know to go to the Lord and they'll remember the things that you taught them. Growing up, my life was full of hard times. Jesus wasn't a priority in our home, so a strong faith was not passed down to my generation. I had good parents and they worked hard and they had me and my siblings. I had a younger sister and a younger brother 
And they had us at a young age. And they did their best. They ended up separating and getting a divorce. And I actually lived a lot of life between the ages of birth until I was 18. In fact, a lot of times, uh, I feel like I lived two lifetimes. I have seen things that a child should never see. And I've been a part of things that a child should never have to be a part of. I've been abused and taken advantage of by trusted people who were close to, to me and my family. I mean, the first time that I'd ever seen someone OD on heroin, I was 11 years old. I was just a kid. I was 11 years old. And I shouldn't even have been there. The reason why we were was because my dad had visitation that day. And for some reason, he decided not to pick us up. My mom had plans because it was dad's visitation time and she couldn't cancel them. So we had to go to a babysitter who apparently had plans herself that night to get high on heroin for the first time in her life. I'll never forget it for the rest of my life. It was so confusing. We had no idea what was going on all day. Now, at one point in time, she, she came, the babysitter came out of the bathroom, stumbling, falls over. My sister and brother, they're like over in some corner puking. Their dog's licking it up. And all of a sudden, she stops breathing. I notice there's, her chest isn't moving. She's laying on the floor on her back. True story. I started to administer CPR. How does an 11-year-old know CPR? Well, I wasn't a good kid. I was skipping class in fourth grade, fourth grade, at Schuylkill Valley Elementary School, where apparently during school hours they also taught people on the same wing as the fourth grade wing how to administer CPR and, you know, give people certifications and stuff like that. Well, I went to the bathroom and I decided that I hate math class, which I still do, and I said, I'm going to watch this CPR. So I had administered CPR as 11 year at least what I thought was CPR, and it seemed like she had started to throw up, so I turned her onto her stomach. I then had to fight the 18-year-old boyfriend who had given her the heroin uh, for the phone, to which I'm sure I probably tried to kick his knees out like my dad taught me, but I remember that I had failed in getting the phone, and I had kind of ran and snuck away downstairs to where they had a family friend, and we had called 911, and her life had been saved. I can tell you, that every bad thing that I have been through and every difficult situation that I had gone through in my life, God has used for his goodness and for his glory. And I could not stand here today and talk of the goodness of God to you had it not been for the lives that I had to live before I had met Christ. And I can promise you this, that when the day came 12 years ago when I sat in the front of the Limerick campus in the front row and I had faced, been faced with a choice to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, it was an easy decision to make because of the things that I had seen and had been through. James 1-2 says to... Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Will you please stand with me? Bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm going to finish with a story. Well, it's actually a, a parable told by Jesus. It's called The Prodigal Son. It's in the book of Luke. And this is the backbone 
for what journey is built on. If you go to the book of Luke, you'll see everything that we had created existing for those not yet here to be. There's a story about a father. There's a story about a father who had two sons. And one day one of his sons came to him and he said that he wanted his inheritance. He wanted everything that God, or that everything that his father had planned for him and saved for him and given to him. And the dad was pretty wealthy and he had a lot and he loved both of his sons. But he didn't say to his son, no, this is a bad idea. He didn't say, I think you should stay. He didn't say, no, I'm not going to give you your inheritance. The father gave his son what he wanted. And then the son inevitably left their farm or whatever they had. And it says that he went to the city and he squandered his wealth in wild living. He lived it up. He partied. He had a good time. Dollar, dollar, dollar bill, y'all, throwing it out. And when the money ran out, the friends ran out, the fame ran out, and he had to be a man and go out and get a job. He ended up finding a farm to work on, kind of like his dad's. And the Bible says that he was so hungry all the time because he couldn't afford to pay for his meals that he had longed to eat the pods that the pigs were eating, so pig food. One day as he laid in a pig pen, he thought about the servants that his dad has. And he thought, maybe I can go back. My servants always have leftover food. I could eat their table scraps. I mean, my dad might not accept me. He might not love me. Maybe he might be mad. But, but if I go back, he might take me in. So he, he walked down the road. And the Bible says that as he was a long way off, a long way, the father seen him. And he ran towards him with open arms. His son tried to say, Dad, Dad, sorry. Uh, Dad, I'm sorry. Dad, I didn't mean to. Dad, I'm sorry. I, I went away. And he's like, shut up, dude. Take my robe. Take my rings. Take my shoes. Let's go celebrate. You are home. Your room, I haven't changed it. It's still the same. It's here for you. We're going to go stay in it. My son who has walked away and left me has come home. Let's rejoice and be glad. And I don't know who you are in here right now or where you're at. But I know that, like I said, from the beginning of time, we had been born knowing deep down inside of us that there is a God. And I don't know if you know that he loves you, but he does. So I'm going to ask you a question here to choose. Same question. Throughout this entire sermon, to choose a life of following the Lord. And it's simple and easy. You just accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Jesus is the proof that the Lord gave us everything back. When we came into this world, we ended up sinning. And as we all stand here today, I know that we all have made bad decisions. and We have been a part of awful and terrible things. Maybe you walked away from the good and heavenly Father in here today. And my question to you is, here in Montgomeryville, if you want to choose to come back to the Lord, if you want to accept Jesus in your heart, Accept love, accept forgiveness, accept the dream life, man. It all starts with a life with the Lord. If that's you in this place right now here today at Montgomeryville, I'm going to ask you to raise your hands so that we can pray. We'll ask Jesus into your heart. If you want to accept the Lord today and choose that, just simply raise your hand right now here, Montgomeryville. And you, I see you. I see you here. 
accept him, man. Maybe you didn't have a good dad. Maybe, maybe your dad was absent. God is always there with you and for you and accept him in your heart today. I'll give you just a few more moments if you're at Montgomeryville or in here. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for the people's hearts who you just stepped into today, Lord, because they had opened it up to you. God, I don't know what these people have been through here today, but I know the life that you have set out for them, Lord. And I'm thankful that you've been able to meet them in here today, God. I pray that they get to know you and experience you throughout the rest of their life, Lord, and that their life is forever changed and transformed. And we know now that their eternity is locked into heaven with you, God. Father, we thank you so much for your presence being in here today, Lord. Lord, we pray that you'll fill us with your Holy Spirit as we go out uh, today and this week. And we pray that you'll use us and, and to, to use your Holy Spirit in and through us to, to spread to the, the culture and the generation that we have here, Lord. And you'll allow us to be used by you to continue to lead generations and cultures to be changed, God. Father, we love you and we thank you because you are good know it, Lord. Lord, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Let's clap. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you.